Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Uh, we've got some things to discuss. Uh, some uh, some talk between the NHL and the NHLPA it got a little heated. Uh, well, we'll... We ex- sort of expected that, but uh, we'll start with our pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. So a little baseball. Uh, I think it's interesting when you're in the hot stove part of the year where, you know, we get a lot of uh, rumors and, and such. And Are know, we in the hot stove part of the year? Because nothing's happened other than Drew Smiley signing with the Braves. We are. Well, um, your, your St. Louis Cardinals signed a catcher, but whatever. You don't care. So Was it, was it not Yadier Molina? It was not Yadi Molina, who was a free agent. But anyhow, you'll catch up with that, Mike. Just read my article. Anyhow, um, <laughs> I'm full press. No, but <laughs> but here's the thing. So we we talk about this this offseason, and you know, there are some guys that get really good rumors, and you'd say that they're probably, you know, top of the line, John Morosi being one of them. And he originally there was a rumor like an MLB that hey, the Mets are interviewing Chernoff the the Indians GM. And so today it was said um, they're interviewing him today. And so Stephen A. Cohen too, if that's his handle, you should follow him. Everybody should follow him said, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> he tweeted that. So, and, he, and then he said wrong again. Wow. So now he didn't mean it to Morosi. He just meant in general, the, and, and, but you know, that is one way to clear it up. Just have the owner go on Twitter. And so it's been a very long time since I have set notifications because I got rid of them because my phone would just blow up with notifications all the time. And yeah, it gets annoying. He is my only notification now because <laughs> he is going to definitely break news on Twitter first. Yeah. I like, I, I have notifications set for, um, for Elliot Friedman, for Chris Johnston, for Pierre LeBron, I don't. Um, well, I, I do because I have I'm no. I'm kidding. Way. I'm kidding. That's fine. Uh, but the but the funny thing was, uh, I had I had my notifications set for for Darren Drager, and in the middle of the summer, he was doing something like he was giving us updates on like his son, uh, who was a, a a junior or a player who was trying to make like the Sioux, Sioux Greyhounds. And then, then it was stuff like about he he was updating about like some bantam team that he was coaching or something. And like I had to sort of like for like a month, I had to unfollow him, not unfollow, but unnotify yeah. him, just because it was getting just so deluged with things that I didn't care about. When right. it came back to like the trade deadline and things of that nature, there you go. I got it. Yeah. So when it came to the, the trade deadline and things of that nature, um, you know, no. And, and Mike, come on, you're you're nuts if you think CJ is a Leafs homer. He is not a Leafs. He's not. No, he I, is, I. He is a I, straight I, out reporter. He's as good as it gets. Yeah, I will say this though. Um, the last thing about um the Mets owner. So, somebody else asked him. You know, they just tweeted out into the universe and tagged him and just said, "Hey, would you rip up a Picasso? Because everybody knows he owns a, a very famous Picasso. Would you rip up a Picasso for a Mets World Series ring?" And his answer was. Can it be an inexpensive one? <laughs> and this is, but Eck, I was saying, as far as rumors, there was a, a Met rumor that they were interviewing a general manager and the owner shot it down on Twitter. Like, just boom, shot it down. And that is one way to clear up. If you if you want your message out there and you want it, you want to control it, that is one way to do it. Yeah, although, you know, so Eck, that, if that it, like, it, breaks all sorts of protocol. With it does. Team. Like that, I that, that why I said, oh, because I'm just like saying, I'm thinking of like the way, because I have owners who I talk to, I have jam, jams I yeah, talk yeah. to, and it, it's it's funny when you talk to an owner, you really have to be careful about not not getting out because that's a big that's a big issue. Like if an owner yeah. tells you something that a GM doesn't want out there because well, 
let's say this. If it's an owner like Cohen who just took over the Mets and is hands-on right now on everything, then you can pretty much believe what he says in terms of, okay, no, we're not talking to this guy. If it's Hal Steinbrenner and he's got a – you know, a network of Cashman and other, you know, levels of stratification. He might not know that they're talking to somebody. Right. So that that's the thing. It's like in this instance, I would believe him as, okay, he's not yeah, talking. there's only one other guy. That's it. Right. Sandy Olsen and Cohen. You're right. So Right, right. But it's just an interesting thing. So I said, basically, I used to have Twitter notifications set set for a lot of things and then unset them all. And now I've reset it for him because I'm certain he is going to break news. Yeah. And now I had to put a notification on him. And it really puts teams in a weird spot. You know, it's, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, unless, you know, really what, what he needs to do, and someone will get to him about this eventually, is they'll get to him and they'll say, um, you know, you've got to like, um, if you're going to break the news, you got to break it on our website. Yeah. You know? Right. Because the, the owners don't necessarily see the importance of the website right away. They, because, a lot of the owners are old schooler guys, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, websites are important, but they're, yeah, they're not making they're not making us any money." But they well, are their their own little like microcosm, you, and they have their own little, uh, thing that you have to break that through there. Well, you need to tell Eugene Melnick that because he made news. Remember when he when he interviewed? Okay, one second, I'm right back. Let me just yeah. get the yeah. Remember when he was interviewed on Hockey Night in Canada and broke the yes uh, certain news, uh, and then you know, like he was on uh, the Bob McCowan podcast and you know, broke some other news. So it's like, I mean, you know, I'm not sure that they're going to limit themselves to certain. A lot of owners aren't going to do this, but right now, uh, like you said, he just took over a team. There's not a lot of hierarchy. So it is a perfect time for him to do that while things are getting together. It doesn't hurt his business. That's the bottom line. No, no, it doesn't. Um, while we wait for Ak here, um, the NBA draft was yesterday, and yep. you know, again, I you know, this this is the thing. Back in the day, I'd say you know, less than less than a decade ago, I knew like most of the guys who were drafted in, in the first round of the NBA draft. I you know, I watched college, ba college basketball. I watched the the tournament. Uh, players stayed in college a little longer, so you got to be more aware of them. I didn't know who the number one pick was. Anthony, yeah, I only found out the last couple of days because I, I have a friend who does a uh, a guide and he helps us. He attaches it to my website, so we we help push it. And yeah. that's the only reason I know. And I, I watch too because I do generally watch drafts because right. I'm a draft junkie. And yeah, me too, me too. But that, that that's the thing. It's like where like I was into it like years and years ago, but now it's like okay, I didn't, I don't know, you know. <laughs> I didn't know who Anthony Edwards was. I know who the guy from ER is and Goose yeah. from uh, from Top Gun, but not this guy. Uh, the only thing I knew James Wiseman about was the fact that he, you know, played like two games for Memphis and then was ruled out because he'd been given money or something like that. I, mean, I right. didn't know any of these guys. Like the, the kid, the kid, the Knicks drafted, uh, you know, Obi Toppin. I've never never heard of him before in my life. Yeah, I, I will say this. Oh, go ahead. What act you want to say? No, you finish. You finish that. Okay, I was just gonna. I was gonna finish it up with um, the the guy the Knicks got. I think he's a decent player. I did like the guy from um, the Israeli basketball league because they called him the Prince of Tel Aviv. I think that's great. Anytime yeah. it's the same as the German Gretzky. Anytime you somebody gets a nickname like that, I'm all in. So right. I was I was laughing at that. And also there was the guy I wrote about Nate Hitton. He didn't get drafted. And now it's pretty much certain that the Mavericks are signing him to a two-way contract. So it does show you that the NBA draft probably needs more than two rounds. Two rounds yeah. isn't enough because well, a lot of guys got signed right after the draft, and that tells you they're failing at the draft. Yeah, well, right. probably like there's probably like um, strategy about like you know not wanting to be not wanting to be drafted in that. If you're drafted like 57 to 60, let's say. Be you better off being it. a free agent and just going to a team you want to go. Yeah, to. you can pick a better scenario for you. Like this. yes, and talk. Um, I need I need your advice, Ross. I need I need okay. dog advice. I need dog. dog yeah, advice you got it for a second. So like I have to take a cut of you guys. Okay, so we have we have a seven year old Shih Tzu, right, and this right. now sixteen week old Quirky, right. and um the 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 drama that goes on in this house between these two dogs is like <laughs> I know you've had I know you've had plenty. Oh of dogs yeah, I've had old and young. Trying together. to interpret it is hilarious to me. Like trying to interpret what's going on. Because they're wagging their tails, and, and 
the, the, the corgi now is taken to biting the Shih Tzu's ears and pulling her across the floor by her ears, which okay. is like something that I don't think the Shih Tzu loves. So no. I, 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 I scream at her. To, and she's good. She stops. She won't do that, but she'll still do it. Yet the Shih Tzu still comes back wagging her tail. Right. My wife, I'd just be allowing the corgi to drag the Shih Tzu across the floor. I wouldn't allow it because you don't want it to escalate to something else. You don't have to <laughs> scream, but you could you know, just say no and take the ear out of the mouth and maybe even reward her with a treat for not doing it. Yeah. You could do that. That's what I would do because you just don't want it to escalate. Yeah, um, I know you gotta let you gotta let some of this dominance. You do, no, no. Bait horseplay and that kind of stuff. Even you know, even grabbing of a tail or something. I had a dog drag one of ours across the floor by the tail. By the tail is fine. By the ear, you, you could have damage. Like <laughs> it looks wrong, but it happens. And yet the shit is not like yelping or anything like that. She's no, but you know what the problem is? If there's an injury there, there's a lot of blood vessels there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have a lot of blood in the house, and then all of a sudden. Uh, you'd have to rush her to the vet. Right. The other thing is corgi play. Yeah. Are are you feeding them together? Uh, no, I feed them separately. Okay, that's a good idea at the start because yeah, because that's the corgi will eat everything. Like she's only eats what she happen. wants to when she wants to. Yeah, I mean, if you ever had lunch with Mike, you would know. But that's where most most confl conflicts happen. Yeah, no, they don't, because, and we have never fed the shits in your corgi because we had corgis before, and it's just because. That she just eats when she'll eat a little bit here, a little bit there, and the corgis okay. eat everything immediately. Don't right, don't right. Get, don't get between me and my French fries. So right. So now, actually, Mike's very generous with the French fries. To be honest, so this time of day, I try to get them tired by now. Like I take them for a walk right before this, and try to get them tired so they can lay down during the podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so we put them to sleep. This time, yeah, they do. They 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 love the the topics that we discuss. So now the Shih Tzu has just had it with the Corgi and is refusing to come downstairs. So it's upstairs, right? right? We have a little like barrier that we set up so the Corgi yeah. can only stay in certain spots because it's not really fully trained yet. Yeah. But now I can't get the Shih Tzu to come downstairs and the Corgi wants her to come downstairs. It's like now we're in the now. Okay, we're in so here's what I would do. Believe it or not, and sorry guys, last two seconds of dog training. Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, <laughs> you mentally know. working your dog out will knock them out quicker than anything. So like Start working on sit, stay, okay. all those things for a few minutes. Just a few minutes of that is worth like 20 minutes of a walk. Really? Then, okay. It'll knock them out. The other thing is, another secret, why you're not here my dog, best bully sticks. Just go there, buy them. It takes at least an hour for my dog to chew through one, and that's how long our show is. So there Yeah, you. those are freaking expensive, but I guess they're worth it, huh? Yeah, they're worth it. I saw them in Costco, like a bag of them for like 33 bucks. I'm like, 33 bucks, but yeah. Yeah, you could – Um, I did just get a good deal on Amazon. I'll, I'll shoot yeah. you a link. Excellent. All right, guys. Thanks for the help there. So everybody feels like – it feels like – Puppy buzz. There you go. <laughs> Corgi's sleeping. I think we're good. I think we're I think we're going to be good for the rest of the show at this point. All right. <sighs> Man. Middle of the night, Corgi kept me up for three hours last night. All right. <laughs> Here we go. The Lucky World, it's Thursday, <laughs> November 19th, 2020. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. It's the podcast that comes every Monday to Friday to tell you about the comings and goings in the hockey world. And today's news is weird. I mean, this is, you know, yesterday we went through a lot of things. You know, we talked about the stuff that was going on. And the news that sort of came out that, Based on this current CBA, these players are not allowed to take a um, sliding scale of pay. Right. They're not, not allowed to take like a certain, you know, they can't take a percentage prorated pay. It was collectively bargained. They saw what was going on with baseball and they said there's there is no there is no avenue to take prorated salary. Right. Which put which means that, you know, we're, we're talking that that you know was it, the, the the problem now appears to be that so the now the NHL of course is saying well this is way worse than we thought it would be and we're going to need to figure out another way to get around that so they're you know asking for a further reduction and bigger escrows and stuff like that to a to a deal that was just collectively bargained which of course freaked the players out because they feel like everything you know we right. just made this deal and the NHL probably knew that we we're going to do this all along which might be true but doesn't really matter at the end of the day because I mean, know, but the, but the NHL couldn't predict where we'd be with the virus, so that doesn't matter really. Right, it couldn't predict, and it, you know, and the NHL probably did say, "Listen, if we're in a really bad, we're in bad enough shape, they have to collectively, you know, talk about this next year. That, then we're going to have to get them to do something else." Because the reality is, they just can't play and lose boatloads of money. So there's got to be a, there's got to be an op option here, right? And, and uh, but the play really, I think, temporarily has thrown the players into a tizzy. Um, I talked to a couple of players who are really pissed off. A couple of players who just get it. 
They're not oh, not every, right. it's, being, it's being promoted out there. Like I read Elliot, Elliot Freeman's thing that everybody's freaking out. Well, and and, really no, not, I wouldn't say everybody is freaking out. There's a lot of people that like. But uh, but, uh, but what, what Friedman reported was that the players feel betrayed. I mean, there's a there's a lot of hyperbole going on on both sides. I mean, sure. we were talking yesterday act about about the fact that well, it was sneaking out that well, they may cancel the season. Bull crap! They're not canceling the season. The players want to play, and the owners want to play. No, this I don't think they're going to cancel the season either. I but mean, I think a little bit. Of, uh, I mean, there's understand there's a negotiation that's happening here. Right? Yeah behind the scenes and that's what's going on. I mean, and we've been here before, you know, like this is uh, my specialty in the hockey world because this is what I started with in the first place. Um, right. and, and honestly, it's like, okay, I, okay. I, I get that an agreement was just negotiated four months ago. I get it. You know, you think, okay, the worst is over with. This is an ever-changing uh, avenue in terms of what's going on in the world of COVID. And what Friedman reported was uh, deferred – amount of 20 up from 10 and escrow at 25 or deferred at 26 and escrow staying the same. Honestly, I don't see a problem. I, I, I get that you want your money now as much of your money now, but if they're saying deferred and you're getting your money eventually, what is the problem? It's hard to say. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard. Well, the, the problem, I think the problem here is more about the trust issues than anything else. I think that, yeah, I get is, it. Not like necessarily, which is, which is, to be honest, that like with given what's going on in the world, no one really is going to have the time for it, but I'll explain to you what the issue really is. Like, I mean, given what we're all dealing with and what we're all, you know, everybody's taking less money to do what they're doing right now for sure. And, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine that, um, that this, that, you know, I'm, you say I'm going to give me $3 million instead of $4 million next year, you know, I'm going to have a problem with that. But the problem it really comes down to, I think the concept of the people feel as if since this was just negotiated four months ago, the NHL should have known that this was happening and therefore agreed to these terms, um, fully knowing that they have to come back and say, right. but you know what, like any contract, they're all made to be broken. Like anything right. else, they're all made to renegotiate. I look at it like this. If I'm a player that makes, like you said, four million bucks, and I'm getting three up front. I'm not thrilled that I'm deferring, but what's the option? If this is, if I'm doing this, and every other player is doing this, that means the owner's losing, you know, maybe a hundred million dollars, where the player's losing one million. Like the player right. has to understand, they, you know, if enough of them act the way they want to act, whoever the ones that are freaking out, the lights will be off. Is that better? The ones who are freaking out are, by the way, the ones who are making the most money. Um, and this is this is this and this is typically the case with the NHL with, with 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 players, which is really crazy, because I mean the players who are really affected by this are the guys who are making the who are making the least amount of money. They're the ones who are taking you know like you're you're going from like I don't know what what's the minimum seven hundred thousand minimum yeah seven hundred thousand to four hundred thousand or something like that 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 you know and then taxes taken out of that you know so you're really bringing home two hundred thousand whatever that's still a lot of money but you know you only have a three or four year career that's the players who really are in trouble those are the players who really do get affected by this right right so but remember remember yeah. where remember where we are when the cba was agreed to in july i remember it vividly that they thought when a season started they thought okay it was me it was going to be november or December at the latest, and there would be fans in the stands, or they optimistically they thought, and there probably be probably would be some fans in the stands. Now we're in November; there won't be fans in the stands until a vaccine is distributed, which could be early, late winter, early spring. Yeah, they didn't they didn't know what the landscape was. So you you know the only thing I think that the, they could have anticipated was to have the first year adjustable based on where was where things were going but they agreed on a structure and now they have to adjust the structure now if, if players were going to be getting less overall i would say i there, there would be reason to get pissed off but they're getting the money eventually yeah exactly what i, what I, what I think needs to be what, I, what they could have written into it to protect this whole situation from happening but they probably they really did want to get this deal done like this deal was hurried through um there's no question about that. When you remember how quickly it happened and what at the point it happened, they were, you know, the, they were all talking to the NHL, the NHL PA were talking a lot about the return to play. There was all kinds of good vibes. We were getting everything together and both sides led, you know, we had the other side, every, everybody was in a good giving mood. No one was like standing by these crazy negotiation points. And we just got down to brass tacks and we did it. And that, that was interesting because usually, yeah. you know, 
someone says, we can afford to lose. We can afford to lose three months. So let's just stand taller. We can afford to lose this, you know, let's just stand tall. None of that happened when they made this deal. They just got down to like, okay, what's the less, what's the least we can oh. do? What's the most we can do? So, well, Larry, Brooks, the problem does come into, it really does come into the, the fact that if they had done something like, um, okay, you know, this is, this is what the deal is. If we have fans in the building, this is the deal is if we don't have fans in the building. Something like that could have been worked out for the first year, I think, that would have probably avoided this. And because, you know, but since that wasn't even discussed, the players have a perception that, you know, the NHL agreed to this. And when, the, when, the, when you know, last year, for example, we had to, we played, even though we had to, you know, we couldn't play. And, and players got paid fully last year for, you know, what they got. And that there's a lot to me to, to this situation. They, they really just, the players are going to have to just give on this. And, Here's what I would do. I realize that this this is what it is, and it's not. They play a lot of players are going to be pissed at me for saying that. But if I were the if I were the commissioner, I would say this: if they were, you know, blocking this, I'd say, okay, you know what? All that deferred money, we're going to put it into a fund, and based on your television ratings, that's who is going to get the largest percentage of this deferred money, and we're going to go down the line because that's the only way we're we're tying it now to league economics because we're losing money too. So guess what? Yeah. If your team doesn't pull in anything, you're not going to get as much of this deferred back. And if you're pulling more, then that's great. So guess what? Guys, get out there and start getting fans to get engaged and watch. Because that's the one thing about players. There are some that will do that, and others just want to show up to the rink and play and never want to act like a salesman for their sport. And sometimes you have to act like a salesman for your sport. Yeah, you do. You absolutely do. And and. And this this whole concept of escrow being this really bad word, you know, like that everybody throws, it, it's just so ridiculous to me. It's just it's always been ridiculous, and it is ridiculous to a lot of players as well. I mean, well, because the escrow are. goes up because of the simple reason is that this is a 50-50 deal, right, with revenue sharing, and the NHL knows that there's not going to be money there. They they don't um, understand. They they ne they have never understood the concept of escrow. No, they don't. They don't understand. They just see it as the NHL keeping their money and making money on it, basically. And I think I think at the end of the day, you know. Yeah, and I think even I think even the escrow has I don't know how the escrow works exactly. I should find out, but I I think there is something written in there that that money that's in escrow can be invested in a certain way that people both that both sides can get something. From. I'm not sure. There's something about that. Okay, but I think there's a but I think that a lot of players don't even realize that there's like that you know they're just making because it's a lot of money. The NHL picks up you know several millions of dollars in escrow and, and then they can turn that money into money because that's what these people who have a lot of money see. You know, they see give me ten million dollars, I'll make that. You know, fifteen million dollars, but and I'll give you give you ten million, and I well, made five it's million. Like it's not like they're earning significant interest about putting it in a mutual fund or something like that. It's it's basically you know, okay, it's sitting in a it's sitting in an account. It's probably earning some interest, but it's negligible because interest rates are so low right now. So really, it's the it's it's being held in advance until they calculate what the league revenue is, what the fifty fifty split is, and if the if if the fifty fifty split is not. Uh, balance, then they then they adjust it to 50-50 right. based on escrow being applied. And that's okay, so here, I'm going to give you a difference. So, Eck, difference, now again, the NBA has a little bigger reach because of China, but difference in sports where you have players who act like celebrities and definitely engage their fans. So, Alexi Lafreniere, his deal, his full deal, if he were to make every bonus, is worth $11.3 million dollars but only 517,000 of it is guaranteed. Right. The first pick overall yesterday, Anthony Edwards, his deal is worth $44.2 million. He's getting 20 guaranteed no matter what. Now I get it. There's fewer players and everything else, but they also, those players go above and beyond to engage on Twitter, to get people to buy memorabilia, to get tickets, to sign on to their online services, right. they do a lot more than the average hockey player does. We have well, to admit that. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not, the with Lafreniere, if if he gets if he gets sent to the minors, then the uh, guaranteed money is only what his AHL salary is. I mean, if he yeah. if say he but gets he's not getting sent to the minors, so. right? Of course not. Say he gets none of his bonuses. You know, he doesn't reach any of his bonuses. The first three years of his of his contract, he makes almost three million dollars. Nine twenty-five times three. If he makes none of his bonuses, so he's making two point eight something million dollars in his first three years. If he scores two goals and three assists in eighty-two games, that's what he's making, and he doesn't get sent to the minors. 
So it's not negligible, but it's no. not it's not anything close to what the NBA or the NFL makes. And and by the way, uh, in your town, like Al Horford, who gets traded from the 76ers to Oklahoma City, you know, I felt sorry for him because I'm sure he didn't want to go to, you know, nobody in, in the NBA wants to go to Oklahoma City until I looked at what he's going to make the next three years. It's over $20 million each year for three years. I think he can find a nice place in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I think he's all right. If you think he's okay. I yeah. think he's good. Yeah. But, but the idea is, you know, you got to help grow the sport. And right now – the owners need help with that, and the league needs help with that because yeah, we're in an era where now they're a gate-driven league, but there's no gate. So now you have to try and attack it from other areas. Right, they've got to find other ways, and then they're and and they are. And I think the fe- the the feeling was that the gambling thing would help them. I think I think there were a lot. A lot if they put they're putting a little too much stock into that. I think um, I really do. Like I feel but, like you know, I'm going to answer Randy. Randy, if the NBA is ice cream, then the NHL is sherbet. <laughs> I like Sherbert. I, I do too, but not everybody does, Mike. To me, like to me, the the, the gambling deals they made, you know, they thought that that would be money to be making, and it's just not happening. People aren't really gambling on NHL as much as they thought they would, you know. Um, okay. And that that's also coming out, so that's that's a not a problem, but you know, it was an extra revenue because you're always looking for new revenue streams, and that was an extra revenue stream. The the um, NHL.com is not, you know, the internet's been hurting for the last four years big time and that's definitely affected you know nhl.com's revenue as possibilities so there's a lot of things there that are they're piling on to this you know not having fans in the, in the seats so they, they have they have to figure out you know what they're going to do with this exactly it's going to take time but it's not going to take forever this is not like a this is not one of those situations i think we're going to see it's going to be weeks anything crazy it could be weeks but I, I i think i think you know it can't be much more than like two weeks because of the no play. i agree with that issue here with you know when you're going to start camp if you're going to start in january if you want to get 60 games in because the other issue is that as it, it keeps decreasing games the nhl is making less and less money um and the NH- and the players should look at like then we're not getting our escrow back if we're making less and less money so the, right. that's how you look at the escrow not like the escrow the other way around you know so it's weird the escrow is not they're not taking money from you they're holding money in case they don't hit numbers that's what it's about so it's it's really that's a problem. I don't know. It's not very exciting, I know, to listen to this kind of talk, but it is. It was interesting. The psychology of it yesterday to me was interesting because everybody's, you know, right now everybody's a little bit fed up, obviously. Like there's a certain amount of like everybody's been stuck inside and bottled yeah, up. You get angry. I get it. And, and you know what? It's going to ramp up now because mm-hmm. like in places like in New York State, Things are shutting down again. Yeah, um, uh, rationing is beginning again. I, you know, I was at a, a store today, and like people were losing their mind because toilet paper is gone again. It's like, I mean, come on, it's like just yeah. You know, if, if you didn't store up toilet paper after the last bull crap, then you're then you're an idiot. Yeah. So yeah, there's um, there, that is going to be an issue. You're absolutely right, and it's going to it's going to bring things on. So and people are going to, but also that's going to make it more and more obvious that they've got to get this thing figured out too. Like I think right. that the well, hard argue you shouldn't putting my <laughs> I think that the, the most the most annoying part now and I said this yesterday the most annoying part now is now that we're at the precipice of a vaccine like okay the vaccine is real it's yeah. there now it's a question of waiting for the vaccine and everybody's like come on get it out let's get back we want to get back to normal and it's like it's not so easy it's got to be produced it's got to be distributed it's going to take time and you yeah. know how it is when people are just so at that close to finally having a solution. That's at the, that's the time when they're the most annoyed. Yep. So, and by the way, like the, like the, maybe you could say the NHL is gelato or sorbet may not Sherbert. Sherbert is, uh, is too good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 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 man. So um, I'm going to show you something. Um, go ahead. Your phone? All, I'll just put it up on here because it's easier than trying to send a link. But we all were talking about reverse jerseys, but there's there's still teams that are ramping up to um, to have new programs. And Long Island University, which is CW Post on the island, um, very familiar with it. It's near. It's actually near the Coliseum and all all those places, not too far. So they they have a New Jersey and logo, and actually they put it like on Jones Beach. Let me see here. Let me see that. Hold on. And you can oh. see it in Shark. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like it. 
That's pretty. And cool. they have another one that I think is blue. I think the other one's blue with. And so you know what? I like it. Nice, nice, nice. But nice. that's good marketing. They laid it on the beach. They put it out on the beach. I like that too. That's yeah. Really good. That's not bad at all. No, that's definitely. smart. That's good marketing. Definitely. Um, you know, it's funny today. I was reading the article about um, Joe Thornton over in Switzerland, you know, and I don't know if you saw this article, but it was really interesting. And I was Luke, going through Luke, it, you know, Luke Fox from sports that wrote it. Yeah. The concept of, you know, how different, like, and this shows you really how hockey players deep down are, you know, we put, we put there and paint them as a picture of babies, not wanting money and all this stuff. And obviously Thornton's made plenty of money in his time and all that stuff. And he's just, He's playing for free over there because they're, you know, the Swiss person said, I, "We don't." The Swiss person says, "I don't know. We can pay, can't pay you this year. We can probably pay you next year, maybe the year of that." She was like, "Just pay me whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm here to play. I just want to. I want to, you know." It's just a funny, like the whole. And honestly, this is how you know most hockey players are, and mm-hmm. uh, there really aren't. Like, I mean, th- there's a whole thing in the players' association trying to move things forward for the players in the future and all that, which is all legitimate. But deep down, they're not these guys. Like. It was a very contra- interesting day for that article to come out because it just contrasts contrasts with what you feel like owners who are like you know devastated by the NHL and and don't trust the NHL all of a sudden. And I get it, but it's like this is this is like there's no Joe Thornton just just playing for free, you know, over there. And, and he's you know, and they're selling his um you know they're selling all of his stuff. They're selling yeah. hats. They're selling jerseys with him. They're selling masks with his, him. He's made enough him. money. Yeah, he's made enough money, but he, and he's just using it to get in shape. Yeah, um, he's just a great guy, and he's gonna be he's gonna be wonderful to see him in a market like Toronto and see how that plays out. When I watched this, I was like really got kind of excited. It was hard not to get excited about it. Actually, in the article, they said don't get excited about it. It was pretty funny when he wrote that. Well, he'll be happy go lucky until the playoffs start and the real pressure comes on. Because I've I've seen Joe under pressure, and it's not all smiles and giggles. Yeah, <laughs> care about that. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> oh yeah. There's no question. No, he's a competitor. You know, at the end of the day. Yeah, very, no, and, very competitive. And, and this is going to help. This is going to help him, uh, and, you know, because if training camps open up in the middle of December and we're, you know, could, could be three, say, three weeks away from training camps, he's going to have a month or so of game action under his belt, and that's going to help him sort of get off to, uh, a, you know, a, a quick start with with Toronto. So that I think that's a it's a good thing for those players who who are able to find gigs in Europe that are intending to come over, come back over to the NHL and play the season, they're going to have an advantage over players who are just working out and maybe have had limited ice time since, you know, their teams were eliminated, especially those teams like Buffalo and Ottawa and Detroit who haven't played in nine, in nine months, a, a uh, week, a week extra of training camp is not going to help those guys get up to speed. Those teams are in trouble and most of them are not good teams anyway, because they missed the playoffs, but they're in trouble because they, you know, generally those players have been, you know, inactive in terms of skating and everything. You know, I'm sure individually some of them have been able to get on the ice, but, it, you know, they haven't played competitive hockey since March. Big time, big time, big time. No, I, I think – and then there's been there's been a ton of – I mean, the players – we saw we've – seen, we've seen this before, you know, the, the concept of players in Europe, you know, playing ahead of, ahead of this or, you know, or guys even even like, you know – I'm so, I'm really I'm still kind of surprised that what Austin Matthews did hasn't been followed through by other players. You know the, the Movember thing. No, not the no 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 no. Yeah, that mustache is awful. No, not no, not that. Austin Matthews going over and playing in Switzerland. You know when he played uh, over there. Like I'm surprised was, we haven't seen more kids do that. I'll tell you why. It's it's you have to have a family committed to doing that to living there for. Three or four months, you can't just send your kid over and hope it all turns out. You got to have like at least a mom or a mom and a dad go over. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, no, that's true. It's true. But some of these, yeah, I mean, if you're making you're making money, so you can definitely you can afford it. If you go over there, they, that is one thing. Matthews made money playing over there. I don't know. I don't know where because I've heard. I just want to answer this question. I've heard this out there before. I don't know who talked about this about the Leafs using a two forward three defense. First of all, they're the, the the team that will least do this because they don't have they don't have enough good defensemen to play three defensemen at one time. So I, I I don't know where people have gotten this. I can't imagine that they're going to try any weird structure type of thing like this. That that I don't think that that works. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really I've heard that out that. there, but it's, maybe it's just an internet rumor. I don't know where it came from, but I, I don't know where it came from either. And I've heard it too, and I just, I don't think that that's, 
I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem like our league is working in that way at all. You know? No, I don't think so. Um, but let's talk about Gabriel Landeskog for a second, because like, here's a, here's a, free, uh, one of the probably top UFAs coming out next year. And his, his name, his name's being thrown around a lot as to, you know, what he's going to be worth. Like what we think Gabriel Landeskog is worth. And Landeskog's, you know, a, a good solid player for this team, obviously. Yeah. But like, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's not a superstar. He's not no, like he's, he's, not. Not a, he's not a superstar. You know, his contract right now is yeah. seven years, seven years, forty million dollars, I think, something like that. So he's like, you know, he's under six million per right now. So, um, yeah, and, and do we see him getting much more than that this summer? I mean, do we see him like? No, his numbers, his numbers declined last year. He he could very well be. You know, Jonathan Taves light, but because of the heavy minutes that he played, you know, yeah. now you're looking at a 50-point guy instead of a 70-point guy. He's worth more to the avalanche in the room than he is any other team, but I'm not paying him any more than that. Yeah, I mean, I saw this article on NBC where they, they used comparables of, like, Chris Kreider and Braden Shen, who are roughly $7 million a year guys, you know. You know, so that's like they've signed okay, seven so years. As an example, Landis Cog may score, may have scored more points than than Kreider, but he doesn't have Kreider's speed. And right. so that's another worry is I don't think you can put him in the Kreider category because he doesn't have that speed. Like the minute Gabriel Landis Cog loses some speed, he's he's going to have trouble in this league. And so that's a part of it. Yeah. I mean, yes, he's a captain, and that there's there's leadership. All right, gentlemen, is that? Yeah. But I don't think I don't that that captain leadership thing isn't you know is not good for like an extra million dollars a year in general. No, it's, this is much more of a results oriented league than that. Not in a flat cap world, I'll tell you. That. No, no. Um, you know, someone put out Landis Gog or Kevin Hayes. That's an interesting argument. I mean, yeah, well, that's a good argument. Except Kevin Hayes is a center. Yes, exactly. His center, right? Yeah. Um, and and Landeskog is you know is part of that core group for the Abs. I mean, it's Ranton and McKinnon, Landeskog. You know, I, I don't think Burakovsky is good as he is as a core guy. I don't think Nazem Kadri is a core guy. You know, they, you know, whether I think they will go all out to sign him. The only thing is, if he is unreasonable, if he's looking for eight eight and a half million dollars, they have to think about paying McKinnon in a couple years. So they're not gonna they're not gonna leave themselves vulnerable to McKinnon walking away. But I think if, I think Landis God would be reasonable because his money, you know, cause his stats have been fairly, it have been good, but not fantastic. I think he's probably a, you know, six and a half to $7 million guy. Uh, and, and, and they have players coming off the, coming off the cap next year. Saad is a UFA. Yeah, they've got money. I mean, they've, they've yeah. done the, I mean, the second has done such a great job with this team. It's not that, but you're going to keep that going. You know, that's like you say, you've got Makar coming up. You're going to have other guys who are going to take a lot of, right. you know, they're going to want a lot of money. I mean, I don't know what the breaking point is. If he, if he won't come under $8 million, is that a breaking point for Colorado? Are they going to say, Oh yeah, that's a breaking point. Yeah. I, I think eight is too much. I think it's heck, probably- heck, here's another, sorry, here's another factor. Um, so like looking at Kreider, he had like 116 hits. Landis Cogs down to 84. Landis Cog has to be super physical. Like that's how he's getting a lot yeah. of his goals. Yeah. And yeah, if that's so, starting to drop, so is the seven million, seven million might be okay. Might be. Might be a little high, depending on how many years. I mean, like you're talking about though, he's gonna be twenty nine years old when his new deal kicks in. Yeah, I but I don't care. He's another one. I, I'll give him seven by five. I'm not giving him more than that. Right. Like if he wants a seven or eight year deal. No. You know, because he's an old twenty nine, it feels like, yep. you know, like he's 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 been He's, he's, he's a, he plays a tough game. He gets beat up a lot. Yeah, I remember like three years ago, he was down to 33 points a year. He did rebound from that, but. Right, right. That's a, yeah, so so that some, some are saying in the chat room that he deserves eight. No way. I don't know. No way. No, I, did. I think it. that, you know, I mean, is he at, is he at, it is interesting. There's the other, there's the other side of things. Is he like, is he more Braden Shen? Or is he more um, Pacioretty? Like, is he more at the point where you know we're looking at a guy who's like Braden? I Shen think he's closer to Pacioretty than Braden Shen. He which is like a guy who's, you're going to sign from too much for too long yeah. because he's up, because he's going to get paid on what he's done, or like Braden Shen who was just starting to come into his own and getting paid on what he was going to do. I think. Oh, okay, I, you can't. I right now to this point, he had his career year 
two years ago where he was averaging over a point a game. He right. seems he seems to be a guy who's a sixty to sixty five point player. You know, for that you're probably talking seven, seven and a half. That's you know, Shen made that much. I'd say, but eight. You know, again, you're hoping that if you're giving him term, you're getting a little bit of a discount. Um, so I, I I wouldn't give him eight. I think if they if it's a seven, seven and a half range on a maybe a six or seven year deal that that would be something that they would agree with and something he would agree with. Again, Hayes got paid because he the Flyers had to overpay to get Kevin Hayes. We all agreed that when the Flyers signed Kevin Hayes, they were overpaying. Like at the he, time, he said he had to get overpaid to go to Philly. He right. said that, and B, he's a center. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's and and you know and yes, he did turn out to be worth that in his first year of his contract. He was yeah. very good. Um, that is still a very long contract. There's a lot of time to go. He actually, he. He has more impact on a game than Landis Cog does, and that's not Landis Cog's fault, but it's because he could take faceoffs and do a few other things that Landis Cog doesn't. Now he may not be the point guy Landis Cog is, but he's close. Yeah, yeah, he's not. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, he. I think he is more impactful. And like, and, and like you said before, centers just have they're at a higher pay scale than wingers. It just is the reality, unless you know you're like you know a Nathan McKinnon or somebody like that. But look at Mc, yeah. McKinnon's contract; even is a good example of that. You know who oh, he really, was underpaid way underpaid and he knows it like he knows it and he even said on his next one he's not going to rake him over the coals he's not he he gets it he wants guys around him to win he's probably figured out i don't need to make you know 10 million dollars i can make eight and if that helps me get a stanley cup that's what i want yeah and i think he legitimately loves loves the city where and he won't take to. eight obviously he's going to get more than that but you know what i'm saying yeah, but I think I think yeah, I think and it also comes down to like he just loves he loves everything about Colorado. Like that's yeah. that works for him. You know, it's a, it's a, it's perfect. I think game. they're equal leaders. Randy's like Hayes is more of a leader. They're e so is Landis Cog. They're equal. Yeah, leaders. yeah. I wouldn't say Landis Cog is less of a leader. No, he's a great leader. You know, Hayes is a leader, but Landis Cog is a, Landis Cog is the captain of the team. Yeah. I mean, he's a definite leader. And he penalty kills too. I'm not even going to give Hayes the edge in that. But there's just other things. So someone asked, "Will McKinnon pass?" I'm sorry. Um, sorry. Will Will McKinnon pass McDavid on his next contract? And that's no. I don't think so. No. No. no I think I think um, McDavid kind of is in a, is in his own world. You know, I mean, obviously there are other players. Yeah, like Skinner, right? Skinner's in a, Skinner's, um, but for sure. Excuse me a second. I'm turn that off. Skinner is definitely. Um, yeah, Skinner. Skinner was a uh, was a symptom of a desperate team with uh, desperate need for offense. Keeping a yeah. guy who scored in a career year, it was all the all the uh, the stars were aligned, and in the end, the Sabers get screwed because I like Jeff Skinner as a player. I've always liked him. I've always thought he was good. He's a twenty-five to thirty goal scorer who was on a fifty-goal pace until he got hurt late in the season for the for the Sabers, and. He's like he's the Jason Blake of the last five years. A guy, a guy who hit hit it big wow. and had his career year the year he hit free agency, and he was never ever anywhere close to being as good as he was that year. That's 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 the that that's the situation with free agency. Sometimes people hit it at the right time. I almost think that players get fed the puck more when they're a year away from free agency because it helps the overall league. Okay, this guy gets this money. I know I'm better than him. Then I can go out and get more money. I don't think it's that, but I th I do I do I do think that you know there's something in in you that you know when you're playing for your contract that you are you do go put a little bit more effort in i do think that exists you play the season at a, at a much higher level I, I some players do that for sure some players don't and some players can handle that pressure and some players can't like we've seen players have bad years going into their contract year because they're trying to do right. too much well that they're was that, do, that was mckinnon yeah that was mckinnon right you try to do too much you try to get out there and you and you try to make a difference and it's just not you know you got to play your game. And the tough thing about the NHL, you know, is you basically, you are paid on stats, you know, and it's some players aren't stats guys. And if they try to be stats guys, they, they, their game falls apart. Um, you know, and that that's always, we've seen guys sign contracts that have really fallen off from that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that is a good question. What is the best contract in the league right now? You know, um, Randy brings up dry 
That's a really interesting question. I think, I think McKinnon is. I think it has to be McKinnon, yeah. If you're if you're eliminating entry level contracts, because then you could say McCarr, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, when Hughes, I would I would say I would say McKinnon is. Yeah, I think I think he is too. I think there's because McKinnon is right there. Like he's in the top five of the NHL. Um, you know, he's definitely not in the top five paid, but um, he's in the top five of the league. You know, um, we should do that sometime. Best contracts and worst contracts in the league. That should be. Yeah, good. I don't know all of the contracts. Couture, Couturier is pretty good. Uh, Richard. Yeah, but he's due soon, so. Right, but I mean, right now, yeah. Existing. Morgan Riley at five million is pretty good. Um, although he didn't have a he didn't have a great he didn't have a great year last year, so I can't. He was hurt, he was hurt so I'll give him that. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, there's some good ones for sure. Go ahead, Mike. No, no, no. I was just saying. I mean, it's easier to find guys that are overpaid. I think right now we probably would put Mitch Marner on the overpaid part. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, coming off the year that he coming off the year that he had, yeah, you could say Pasternak is is one of the best contracts in the league. Pasternak is a great contract. That's a good one. Yeah, six point six six million. I did see that thing the other day, Mike. Another article I was reading of that that claim that the Leafs made their biggest the biggest Leafs mistake was signing Tavares, and that, that's something that's out there a lot. You know, the yeah, that's that's. That's total horseshit. Sorry, yeah, it really, really is because I've heard, I've heard that I've heard that the last year, uh, and if Tavares hadn't signed with the Leafs, then people would say, well, they can never bring a free agent in. It, Tavares is not the problem. The problem, no. the problem over the last three years, and this was uh, something that was made for Kyle Dubas and not by Kyle Dubas was. Lou Lamorello not getting uh, William Nylander locked up on a new contract with a year left. He decided to say, "Okay, go ahead and go ahead and put up your year." And he had a really hit a good year. And yep. then, then the next mistake was Dubis's succumbing to Nylander and giving him close to seven million dollars because by doing that and waiting to the eleventh hour, he told the agents for. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner that they could push it to the to the edge and get what they want and they were going to give they were going to give uh, Matthews big money they were going to but they weren't you know they weren't planning on giving him eleven point six they were you know okay we'll give him ten we'll, we want to get him locked up for eight years like mm. uh, like like Jack Eichel maybe you'd have to pay him a little more it got to the point where if on an eight year deal, they would have been paying him more than Austin, more than uh, Connor McDavid. And then it didn't make any sense. So they, they, and then, and then by paying him 11, six Marner led the team in scoring. And they said, Oh, well, we not, we need to make as much as Austin Matthews. And then he did, ended up not making as much, but pretty close. And now you've got four players at 40 million. The mistake was not Tavares. The mistake was succumbing to Nylander. And then which, 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 which dominated everything else. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so, question here: What Zabinajad is a good contract right now? Obviously, we talked about that. Yeah, before. he's due um, soon, so you know. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on this, Russ? This is a question that you take care. Of. Um, what the question is: What would you expect Zabinajad getting in his next contract? If there's a possibility the Rangers end up trading him and be on the market for younger centers, if he's asking too much. I mean, they can't trade him. They're going to have to pay him uh, because they're already short on centers. It's a good question. I think we do need to see what he's going to do this year, but I, I would be in the neighborhood of seven and change. I don't he's know. Got, he's got another year left. Right. So we have to see what he's going to do. You're not going to rush to it now. Uh, it could get up to eight and change. I could see that happening. If he if he continues on the arc he has, it'll be eight and change. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I can see that. Um, what was this? Yeah. Butchnevich will get moved at some point. And and it's not his fault. He actually is a good player, but he's been up and down with Quinn. So I agree with that. Here's another one for Russ. Um, can you elaborate on scouting this next group, next group of prospects and how COVID impacts seeing? Yeah, sure. So actually, I have an article that I'm, I haven't put out yet. Um, spoke to an assistant GM about this, but basically the the worry is that yes, these guys have to get in a certain amount of games. If they don't, it could adversely affect them. And that's guys that have already been drafted. Forgetting about the the younger prospects, I you know, I brought up one yesterday that you know got rejected from the uh, Swedish league and couldn't play, can't play in the OHL now, right? Because it hasn't started. Uh, Brant Clark, and that's something where players just want to play now, and it's very hard to to find spots for them. So yes, it is going to affect them. The ECHL thing now, yeah, it's you know that's going to create more havoc. Although. 
to be fair, there's very few prospects there. It's more veterans, but still there's some guys that end up developing. I talked about Jonathan Quick yesterday, and there's goalies are the ones that suffer yes. because goalies are the ones that really need the ice time, and goalies now aren't going to get much ice time this year. And and so that's that's going to affect things. I mean, there's no question right now that the World Juniors will be heavily scouted, but they're not even the scouts aren't even allowed to show up. And the fact that they're not allowed to show up and be there in person is crazy to me. Uh, so yeah, this is this is going to be an interesting scouting year. It's more video, and and to be really honest, a lot of these scouts aren't used to using just video. So there's a learning curve, and that's why you do see some teams signing more video guys now so they yeah. can put them video and get them ISO video. And not just stuff. You, there are services for that, and um, Instat is a great one. But I'm just saying not everybody wants to sign up for the service because they're looking for certain things. They want their guys to almost tell the guy that's working for them what to look for and find me these things. And yeah. You know, and you can't do that with another service. I mean, Instat does. They let you, like, suggest, but you're only going to get a couple a year or something like that. There's a, there's yeah, a yeah, yeah. I used to video stuff. There's also the high the high camera videos that they have, yes. the whole videos and stuff like that. So They're there's really a lot nice. more of that. And those you're seeing now on Twitter, more of those kinds of guys are getting hired yeah. because of that. And I think, and like I, we said about a week or two ago, it's probably going to cost some scouts some jobs, which really would suck. Oh, there's no question. No, no question about that. Zach um, is asking about Getzloff. First of all, uh, just yeah. to let him, Getzloff's got a no move. So if he doesn't want to go anywhere, he's not going anywhere. But right. he but, could be moved to certain places. Um, one of them actually is Philadelphia, which is pretty funny. Um, but I don't know how that would happen, or I don't know what you know, what what world that would happen. Or I mean, you would have to take JVR back, and they don't want that salary and that term. They're trying. To, he's on the yeah. last year of a deal. Like I'm just saying. Would they take Shane Gossespierre? They'd still have to somehow find $3 million worth of space, the Flyers. They can't do that. Yeah, it would be – I mean, I know that's one of the places he has on his list that he would go to. Um, See, it may be one of the places, but he basically has to get traded, and Anaheim doesn't really want money back in return. They want right. to be able to get rid of that money. I don't yeah, – he's also he's, – he's, he still is a big draw for them. It's hard to really move him. Right. I don't, see, I don't see him getting traded back until the deadline. And if he wants to go someplace where he has a chance to win the cup, yeah, he retains salary. But I, I don't think like he's going to go, you know, he's got it made in Anaheim. He's making eight and a quarter million dollars. He's been there forever. You know, they're not going to win anything. So if he just wants to, if this is the last year of his career, or if he's somebody who's going to go year by year, he's probably going to stay in Anaheim. He's probably going to, you know, but if he wants to win yeah. a Stanley Cup and he thinks he can go someplace like, you know, Washington or Philly or Pittsburgh or someplace like that. Yeah. Then I think yeah, he could do that after, like you said, cheaper. But Zegers is the heir apparent. And I think because Zegers is due to go to the AHL, right. I still think he might be good enough to make it on the NHL team that you're at least going to have him camp and you want him in camp with Getzlaff anyhow to right. learn a lot. Right. All right. Leafs and Anderson pass next season or is Campbell the bonafide number one? Um, I don't think, I don't think Leafs and Anderson pass next season, Mike. Do you? It all depends on how he plays this year. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, right. I mean, the reason that they didn't, the reason that they didn't go for a goaltender when everybody was talking about Anderson being moved and, and them going, um, was was the whole uh, the fact that I think the guys that they wanted were probably uh, Matt Murray and maybe Markstrom. And once Markstrom went to Calgary and he was being paid more than Anderson, and Murray went to Ottawa, they said, I "Oh, Mark Andre Fleury too." Maybe maybe Fleury, but I th I think Vegas would have had to eat significant money for them to take for them to take uh flurry on mm -hmm. um so if that if those are the cases then they didn't see anybody else in free agency that was an upgrade over anderson and figured it's not worth the the hubbub because you know anderson and matthews are close and anderson's been a very solid regular season goaltender and wasn't the reason why they lost in the playoffs last year so um you know that they said well, we'll go if 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 he has a good year again and he's going to play less this year because Campbell is going to play a lot because Campbell played well when they when they got him from L.A. and he plays well in the playoffs then I think they'll sign him to an extension or but you know if he plays that well then he might be the only he might be the best goaltender out there in free agency and then he may leave someplace else so they have to plan for a potential Anderson being gone Campbell is not a number one he's no. not. 
No, I, think, they, I think they're already in their heads have an exit strategy right. for Anderson because Anderson's going to want a three-year deal from somebody. And I don't, even if he has a good year, I don't think they're going to want to pay him for three more years. Yeah. Anderson, right. Anderson is a, is a, or I mean, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, he, uh, uh, Anderson Campbell. is a, Campbell is a good number two. He's a solid yeah. number two. Yeah. I think when you look at the, the goaltending level in the conference though, um, it's everybody is stepping up. So there's definitely another level being taken on when you look around, and that's that's where the issue has to has to come into play. You know, with Campbell, that's why I agree that Campbell's not in that level of like a Carter Harder played. No. like you know, we all thought he could be when, when he was winning World Juniors and getting gold medals and doing those things and winning a Calder Cup. We thought he could possibly get there, but it just didn't happen. Right. And, you know, it has. Who knows? I mean, anything's possible, but still. Doesn't seem likely. Yeah, I, I think that you know the Leafs are going to since they haven't gone the draft route, they're going to have to they're going to have to go the free agent route eventually with goalies. Yeah. Um, if because they're not they're not going to have a goalie that's going to be really they don't have a real goalie a prospect in their system right that's going to be hugely successful. They don't have a real stud prospect from what I know of. Right? Am I right about that? Right. What the Leafs? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean they have a couple of decent goalie prospects, but nobody's but, standing out yet. But the thing is, um, um. Ian Scott was CHL goalie of the year. Joseph Wall is a really good prospect. Wall struggled last year with the Marlies because the Marlies were terrible after Sheldon Keefe got called up to the NHL and Ian Scott had a hip uh, surgery that he missed the entire season. I think the plan for him was to play in the ECHL, but now their team in the ECHL isn't playing and they have four goaltenders, uh, you know, in their system besides Anderson and Campbell. So that's going to, that's going to hurt them. It is. Yeah, that's going to be a big problem. Um, and a little more Leafs thing before we get out of here. Um, the final year with this core? Um, yes. I think if they don't if they don't win, this is the final year before Nylander gets traded. I, I think it's the final year of Dubas is that this doesn't work because I think that's why he's brought in all these veterans. I think if, if they don't get out of the first round of the playoffs, Shanahan's going to look at Dubas and he's going to, even if he doesn't want to fire him, I think he's going to be forced to. It's funny. Isn't there already somewhere that 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 he's Dubis is safe for one for after this year too? It depends. It depends. It depends on how bad the failure is, Russ. If they lose, if they lose in the first round, but they have a bunch of injuries or there's some plausible excuse, that's then, fair. Yeah, but if if they if it's just a failure, it doesn't work. The thing is, it's going to be a clean sweep. It's not just going to be Dubis. It's going to be Dubis and Keith. Because Keith, yeah, that's Dubis. true too. Yeah, yeah, they, they will they will sweep everybody out. But yeah. uh, but I do think that everybody but Shanahan, which is kind of weird, but he he seems remarkably safe. Yeah, uh, but uh, no, do you I, know I, why he's remarkably safe? I don't. Um, no, I, I think don't. he's just positioned himself as a an establishment. You know, the, the MLS, and he likes with the job that he's done. The organization is. I mean, remember he took over when the team. Was a literal joke, right? And, and he dreaded Shanahan is very bright. Like, don't get yourself down. Oh, he's, he's very, he's very, very intelligent. And during, that, during the lockout, way back when, when we missed the entire season, Shanahan and Linden. Remember these guys? These were the guys at the top of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. They, these guys are really, they're really smart guys. Um, and I'm and, not surprised. And he, and he directed the organization to do the thing that they needed to do for years, which was tank. And get back, you know, clear out, clear out the, the players who were losers, and bring and, and and restart. You know, he got Babcock, and you know, remember what you could say about Babcock. You know, he brought this team to a level that they hadn't been to for a number of years since. He did. He got them on the track again. Not Whether or not that had much to do with him, though, well, that's very debatable. What's that? Uh, I don't know. I about that had much to do with him, to be honest. I mean, the talent level is getting to the point where they should have at least been where they were. Yeah, but actually he brought he brought in a structure that you know I mean they, they had Randy Carlisle who was a Stanley Cup winner and they basically did, either didn't listen to him or you know it just did just didn't work. Bad. Argue that, argue that structure was his downfall. I mean that that structure was at a at a certain point, but they needed that structure initially. Yeah. You know they 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 really did. I mean otherwise his inability to yeah I guess so, but his inability to change you know or at all. Well, know, that's what hurt him long term, but. But I think he got them on the right path. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Now, 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 Keith is more of a guy. I mean, Keith is sort of an out of the box thinker, 
And I think the team where they are now, they need, they really need that. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, I think Babcock was limited by his, by his structure. The right. talent out, outdid his structure and they found it stifling. So really um, they made the, it was, it was time to make the change, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think there's a, I think there's a path that Dubas could still survive, but if he does survive, one of that core four will be moved. And to me, the most movable is Neilander. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for you today. Um, We'll be back again tomorrow, though. Make sure you keep 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 on top of Hockey Buzz. We're going to have some fun, interesting little things I'm, I'm putting up in the next couple of days about teams and, you know, where teams are as far as in their development of, of and as far as, you know, are they really full or do they have to make moves? Because we're in this holding pattern right now, and it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting time to examine. Teams are not done. Um, it's it's like it's like it's like people have bought all their Christmas presents except for the one big Christmas present in some cases, you know. No, it's like the fifth day of Hanukkah when things are like slow and they're like, all right, look, we're not doing this every day. We'll give you something on the eighth day. Yeah, it feels like that. You know, if, if Hanukkah took like a month break in the middle of it. Right. Um but yeah, remember so that's all but but you know, so keep on track of things, keep on top of things. We'll be back again tomorrow with Kevin Allen, hopefully. Um remember without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you then. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.